Welcome to episode 227 of Troubadours and Rock On Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. On this week's program, we have New York City artist and activist Alberto Villalobos to talk with us about his musical journey from Mexico through Europe and now to New York City. Mr. Villalobos is a very accomplished violinist. Also, his artistic endeavors regarding making masks, in particular in sculpture, and an installment of 43 masks, more specifically, that is now being displayed at the Point Gallery in the South Bronx. These 43 masks commemorate the disappearance of 43 college students a couple of years back in the Iotzinapa rural community just outside of Mexico City while they were on their way to protest. It's a great conversation. We talk about humanity. We talk a little bit about that incident and what inspired him, what it means to him. We talk about family and we talk about brotherhood and sisterhood. We talk about feeling like the other. We discuss politics and corruption in Mexico, here in the United States, our own president, and what's going on in Washington, D.C. We, we really we get into a lot of different areas. It's a great conversation with Alberto Villalobos. We also have another well-crafted and beautifully read essay by Dr. Michael Pavis, a.k.a. Uncle Cesare, our associate producer and resident essayist, for you today in the program. We also have an EW essay by yours truly titled Ourselves and a poem titled The Sin. And as is always the case, we have also to share with you several great tunes. Hola. Thank you for being here. Let's get to it. Episode 227 of Troubadours and Rock On Tours. Two hands and a face 
Ourselves. The stank on this dank narrative of a so-called presidency has the possibility of showing us who we are as a citizenry, as individuals too. There are different sorts of treachery in the physical world, in our metaphysical as well. But we consider, as do most of our human contemporaries, indoctrinated with a Western worldview, Yes, we consider ourselves of the first world, a top-tier functioning nation. But we might be witnessing the end of all that. We've become sluggish, heavy-handed, narrow-minded, arrogant, and lazy. Our sense and depth of moral, ethical, salt-of-the-earth, high-minded endeavors, and enlightened existence intellectual, instinctual, spiritual, has been diminished, is skewered, has been lost and devoured by baser, much, much baser tendencies of our human existence. What shall we do? Is what I am saying true? Who am I? Who are we? Who are they? Who are you?
¿Quién soy yo para cantarte? Is this Alberto? Alberto Villalobos is speaking. Hi. Hi, how are you? This is Lawrence, a.k.a. W. Conundrum from Troubadours and Rock on Tours. It's nice to have you on the program, sir. Thank you, Lawrence. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Before we get started, let me give the folks listening a little background, and then uh, I have several questions for you. First, um, Alberto Villalobos, and I, I have to say right now, I... I uh, am a typical American who only knows English well. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to apologize for mispronunciation up front. But uh, no, you, no. <laughs> you are a visual artist, a violinist, and composer living in New York City. You graduated right. from the University of Veracruz, where you studied under Mexican pedagogue Carlos Marrufo. You hold a master's from the Royal Conservatory of Music in Brussels, Belgium, where you studied with Igor Ostrak, and uh, Alberto also studied with Livio Prunaru at the International Yehudi Menohin Academy in Switzerland, and with Zachar Braun in Vienna. Along with your two brothers, you're a founding member of the award-winning musical group Villalobos Brothers. And with three violins and original compositions, your music carries message, messages of love, brotherhood, and social justice. Together, you perform regularly around the world and have graced the stages of Carnegie Hall, the Latin Grammys, the Metropolitan Museum of Art, and the 60th anniversary gala concert at the United Nations. And today, we're going to talk a bit more about your, uh, I guess, most ambitious project, as you call it, the... Uh, handcrafted collection of 43 clay masks that honor the memory of the disappeared students from Iotzinapa, Guerrero, Mexico. And uh, right now they're on display at the Point Campus uh, Gallery in the Bronx right through the end of this month. Very, very impressive uh, bio and I commend you also for the focus of your latest artistic endeavor 
regarding the the mask. So let, let's let's uh, again welcome to the program and let's get started with this if you don't mind, Alberto. Give Thank us- you, Thank you, Lawrence. Uh, that was a quite a quite a. Um, a bio that you read for me. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't realize sometimes how impressive you are until someone else tells you. <laughs> you made me actually uh, kind of uh, revisit all my uh, school days with the Maestro Carlos in Mexico. And by the way, I uh, sent a big, big hug for uh, all our uh, family and dear friends in Mexico that um, eventually will probably be able to listen to this interview. Uh, we have, um, well, basically all of our family um, in Mexico. Um, uh, as you mentioned, we are three brothers uh, living in New York City for 12 years, and um, we did um, leave behind a lot of family and dear friends, um, and of course teachers who uh, foster, um, um, you know, the, the our, our musical, um, our, our love for music and our our, our sense of uh, unity as a family, if you will. Wonderful. Wonderful. And that trek from Mexico to New York City, can you give us a little insight how that occurred? I mean, you're a university student and uh, in Me- Mexico and then in Europe. How did you end up in New York City as an artist? Oh, absolutely, Lawrence. Um, you know, I, I consider myself very fortunate, very uh, uh, very fortunate to, to, to be um, part of a family that really encourage um, uh, art and especially music uh, as a discipline um, right off the bat. I mean, my my mother and uh, my grandmother uh, and even even um, I remember uh, listening to a lot of music growing up and, and, and my mom eventually um, she was a Montessori uh, self-taught educator and she opened up a uh, 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 preschool uh, just for us and and we were mostly homeschool because she didn't trust the the system the the public um, uh, the public education system in Mexico so we were pretty much homeschool and um, when we when she found uh, Maestro Carlos who is a recognized uh, teacher and violinist in Mexico she found a musical figure a musical uh, father for all of us and eventually he became um, our our mentor and our and our teacher for for many years uh, until we found the means through scholarships and through competitions to continue our education in different parts of the world. In my case, it was through a scholarship of the national government of the Mexican national government, and I was fortunate to to spend three years uh, studying, um, as you pointed out, uh, in Europe at the conservatory there. Uh, which was quite an experience, I have to say. It was uh, it was hard to be out of of, of the security of um, you know home at 19 and having to do everything by myself. Uh, but looking back, I think it was the the, the most uh, valuable experience that that um, a young musician and a young person can have to be out there uh, uh, by yourself and, and 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 studying abroad and, and really expanding your your vision and your horizons, uh, not only in music, but really in life. And, and you, I mean, music we're talking about mainly, and, and obviously you're an accomplished musician. Uh, you, you right now, though, also have a focus on your other artistic endeavors, namely 
your handcrafting of masks. Uh, right. Yeah, I remember uh, even you know ever since um, living in Mexico, I was really inclined to uh, creating, uh, to painting and creating uh, visual art, especially sculpture. Uh, I've been doing that for a long time as part of my. Um, I don't want to call it a hobby because it feels more like uh, just part of, of my everyday activities. Uh, with with my brothers, I remember um, we started using uh, some of my creations during concerts. Uh, uh, my older brother, uh, his name is Ernesto, and he suggested, "Hey, uh, he said, Alberto, why don't we incorporate some of your creations for for this piece that I wrote?" You know, and then that's how everything started. Really, the, the, I had been doing masks, and I had been doing uh, experimenting in different uh, mediums and techniques. Uh, but I would say around 2006, uh, we started doing music and adding um, theatrical elements, such as uh, the masks and the projections of, of my paintings during the shows, and that brought a whole other uh, layer of. Uh, of, of, of interest of, of in, in my case of uh, adding that also that platform to create and to to inspire through uh, visual arts um, uh, so it's been a long journey for 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 my um, visual arts uh, as well uh, together with the music but I think um, essentially they come from the same source which is uh, which is uh, creativity you have to you have to nourish that creativity through through your own life and experiences, but also let it um, come alive um, in any forms that you that you consider necessary. In my case, it's through visual arts. For many other people, it could be through dance, poetry, uh, uh, music. So it, it's I guess it's just a way of expressing and to reflecting the, the the world that we are living nowadays. Well said. Well said. And and you're thank you. When you're making your masks, uh, is it the techniques that you employ? Are they traditional techniques that you've learned from from people in your family, from people in your community, or are these uh, formal techniques you've learned at, at uh, art school? Right. Um, I remember growing up and studying music uh, in Mexico. I would sneak out of my classes some days, and I would just uh, – uh, the, the 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 school was designed in such a way that uh, the the, uh, the visual art school was next door to the music school, and uh, I was just fascinated by the process of uh, of sketching and and, and seeing uh, my friends uh, at the art school uh, creating all sorts of uh, uh, you know printmaking, uh, sculpture, uh, clay. So I've been attracted to that um, to that scene uh, all my life. But uh, when when you get to a place like New York City and and you get exposed to so many different uh, um, things, and uh, not only music, uh, we've been fortunate to collaborate with amazing musicians, uh, talented, talented, talented people. Uh, but also, you know, you visit museums, you talk to people. Um, I visit a lot of workshops, and I eventually, uh, uh, my girlfriend Megan uh, took me to uh, to a pottery studio because she started pottery. Uh, uh, a few years ago, and I felt just uh, an instant connection with the clay and with the um, um, with the with the with the soil with the earth uh, in my hands that I was uh, just uh, it felt so natural that I just uh, got stuck to to clay, and that's why I decided to make this collection of masks 
out of clay or as using clay as my, as my medium. And that brings us to the exhibit in the Bronx right now uh, called Hombres de Arcilla, I think. Hombres, <laughs> Hombres de Arcilla, that's right, Lawrence. Uh, Men, Men of, of Clay. clay. Right. Men of Clay, that's and correct. Tell us the story. Tell us the story. I mean, I know the story. It's a troubling story. Uh, tell us a little bit, for those who don't know, uh, what, what's behind this effort and um, your, your feelings on it. Absolutely. Um, well, Hombres de Arcilla, Men of Clay, uh, um, it's a project that I've been working on for, for over two years now. And uh, it incorporates elements of, uh, of an art installation, in this case, the, the masks are mounted and presented as an as an art installation uh, and also music um, and, and I created a composition called also Man of Clay that uh, it's right now being a master and well mixed and master in Mexico and uh, how I envision this project is it's coming together as a whole uh, um, uh, uh, art uh, installation combining the clay masks, the music, and also an, a, a strong element of, of, of activism, uh, because the masks uh, honor the memory of 43 uh, missing students from Ayotzinapa, Guerrero, which is a small town um, in, in the south uh, uh, southern state of Guerrero in Mexico. Uh, these 43 students went missing uh, 31 months ago in 2014 as they were uh, heading to Mexico City uh, for a big uh, protest against uh, uh, the sad uh, events happened in 1968. So they were heading to a protest and as doing so, they were intercepted by police forces and uh, uh, kidnapped and disappeared. So this these are really truly horrendous and sad events. And I think it's our... Um, our duty, our, our job as artists, as citizens, to uh, to speak up and to reflect and to find ways to, and I think ultimately it's the power of art to transform, right? To transform these events and to find uh, <clears throat> beauty and also in this in this an inspiration in these sad events. Yeah, and what you're doing here reminds me of uh, the Chinese artist uh, Ai Weiwei. He does things of this nature to commemorate and to remember uh, some of the travesties of, of, uh, against humanity in China. Uh, uh, and it is powerful, and it gets the story out to people. Now, and it touches them in a way that maybe a news article won't. Uh, exactly, exactly. I think when, 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 when words and when the um, – even music, when music and words that just don't suffice, uh, visual art uh, come to the rescue and, and show us and, and make makes us uh, feel and uh, and reflect in a different way. So I think this is uh, the value of, of of this exhibit. You know, letting spreading the the word and letting people know about these facts. Uh, maybe people who have never heard of Ajotzinapa or the forty three missing students are. For the first time, are listening to to this subject right now, and uh, this is probably the the the, the biggest uh, success of the exhibit so far. I've talked to people that have visited the gallery and said, like, this is great, thank you for doing this, and uh, to me, that's already a big success. And and this is at the the Point Campus. Gallery. That's right. It's 
this is uh, right now being uh, exhibited uh, at the point. Uh, the address is 1391 Lafayette Avenue in the South Bronx. Um, when I first pitched this project to uh, Yolanda Rodriguez, the director of uh, Bronx Arts Factory, a nonprofit organization in the South Bronx, uh, she put me in, talk, in contact with Carrie Clark, and she's the director of The Point. And um, as as um, you know, they were both very supportive. They were they're really uh, engaged and really uh, committed to to revitalize the South Bronx and especially Hans Point area where the point is located. And uh, I visit the space and uh, I really love the sense of, uh, of, of uh, community garden and uh, that, that, that they created there. So I thought it was a perfect spot. Hans Point, as you probably know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's been going on, um, it's been it's been a struggling neighborhood for for many decades, and uh, right now it's it's under um, under all this gentrification movement. Um, the neighbors are really doing an amazing job organizing uh, and creating the strategies to stick together and to uh, not being uh, forced to move. So um, that's pretty much the story. I have this mask got to the South Bronx. Uh, I, I I am a Bronx resident. Um, I'm on the on the west side, uh, but uh, I think it's important also to collaborate with this kind of organizations that are that have a history of uh, of working with the community. Yeah, well, I'm, that's the activist in you. Uh, you're not, you're an artist. You're an activist, and that you know, those two worlds meld together beautifully. Uh, I think, and and you're you're doing a great job of, of that. I commend you. And I, w- I want to ask a, a further question about the the masks themselves, the 43 masks that um, recognize and honor the 43 students that have disappeared. Uh, there are many stories about what might have happened. Uh, they, they may have been uh, given by the local police to uh, gang, drug gang members, lords, and, and they perhaps um, assassinated them and then... Uh, got rid of their body somehow. That's what I've read. And uh, the government supposedly has various stories about what they think happened or what they want people to think happened. And, uh, you know, un- not unlike most governments, there's corruption involved. Uh, and I- I'm wondering two things. First of all, the masks themselves, the, are they modeled after the actual uh, features of these 43 students? Uh, or are they just random human expressions of, of, of people? Did you right, model that's, that's an excellent question. I tried both approaches, Lawrence. Uh, uh, to be honest, it was very tough to um, to model the masks uh, individually as, as portraits. To me, at least, uh, I thought they would uh, encompass a larger uh, meaning if they represented feelings. Uh, for instance, I, it comes to mind a couple of titles of, of my masks. As opposed to name them, with the with the exact names of the disappeared students, uh, which by the way were really young, the age range is probably uh, younger than twenty five. They were uh, really young students. Uh, I named one, for instance, freedom, or peace, or fear, or uh, even I have a, a double uh, piece that is called corruption or impunity. So I think I my approach was more uh, figurative, if you will, but uh, at the same time our feelings that we all empathize with. Uh, I created one mask in particular. It's probably one of the the one the, the pieces that I feel more proud of because it's an installation piece in which uh, it's called the Scream El Grito, 
And uh, the purpose of that piece in particular is a suspended mask that is screaming and is suspended by wires to two wooden uh, posts covered with nails. And the, the mask is placed in front of a mirror on an easel and the, the visitor to the gallery can uh, place himself behind the mask and, and see his reflection mm. on the mirror. That's powerful. So I think through these kind of installations, we can really uh, find um, or make visitors uh, empathize with the suffering, not only of the uh, young students that were kidnapped, but also of the families that are, that are left behind. Uh, we were fortunate enough to, to, to have one of the parents, uh, Jorge Tizapa, uh, attending the opening exhibit and sharing his thoughts. I had never met Jorge other than through a text uh, through the cell phone, but it was it was really an honor to see his reaction and to see uh, what he had to say about the exhibit and, and how determined he is to find them alive. Because, you know, it's very important to mention that for all the parents out there still not getting any uh, conclusive evidence, the students are still alive. And they're not going to take anything else, anything else until until they receive uh, uh, evidence of the contrary. And the government, on the other hand, is uh, you know giving us the same speech that they're um, giving everybody. You know, they're saying the students uh, were involved with with drug gangs. They were uh, burned. Their bodies were burned. Even though the international teams have determined that there is no evidence to say uh, to conclude that the bodies were burned. So I think through clay and the significance uh, of clay and fire, you know, how clay gets stronger with fire uh, and other pieces like, for instance, the six ombres piece that is, is in the middle of the gallery in which six masks are covering ashes. Uh, I want to convey the meaning of hope and I, and I want to convey the meaning of finding them alive because this is what their parents um, are willing to to do and and they're really willing to go uh, the distance and to not rest until they find them. And let, let me ask you, what did these forty-three young students do that was so threatening to the? To well, them? they belong. They belong to the to this uh, uh, movement called the escuelas rurales, the rural schools. And truly, there is nothing threatening about it. If anything, it's a very commendable effort. Uh, of rural towns that uh, that gather around uh, agriculture, really, they, it, the rural schools are centered around being self-sufficient and not depending on on the uh, larger cities. And uh, they have a, a history of being uh, uh, really well-organized communities. And so, if anything, the government was probably scared of more rural schools coming, taking more force, and organizing and and, and really speaking up for their rights. Uh, as I mentioned, they were heading to Mexico City to protest exactly for a massacre that happened in 1968 under uh, President Diaz Ordaz. And this is a well-documented uh, um, uh, event that, that happened in Tlatelolco. You know, every everybody knows about this in Mexico. And there was going to be a, uh, every year, actually, on, on September, on October the 2nd, there is a protest uh, at the same plaza that uh, still... Um, uh, you know, what you can still see on the buildings, the, the gunshots and the and there is people who live through that and, and suffer through that. And I can, you know, testify. Uh, so these students were actually going to uh, to protest when they were kidnapped. 
And uh, let me ask you this, too. Uh, are, you, are you getting any attention from your government about this installation, this artistic endeavor in honor of the 43? Uh, are, are you getting any pushback from them? Um, not really. I mean, I, I, I haven't really seen the spotlight with this exhibit. Uh, I think it's our duty. You know, it's not the first song or the, fir the first artistic uh, activity that linked to, to activism that we as brothers or as, as a musical group uh, um, uh, start or, or, or complete. Um, my brother Luis is also heavily influenced by, by, by you know, political activism in his songs. Um, and we, we, we try to really make music and in my case, visual arts, um, a way to communicate and to connect with with uh, with people, but but also to share real facts, you know, to share real struggles and to give voices to people who sometimes wouldn't have necessarily the the, the opportunity to speak up. Um, in particular, it comes to mind one one song that uh, he wrote, Luis, about police brutality, for instance which is not only um, a problem uh, of Mexico, but truly of, uh, it's an universal <laughs> problem around the, uh, around the, around the, the world. And, uh, you know, through tackling these difficult issues in, in, and, and making people pay attention, I think it's our way to say, hey, you know, art is also a powerful uh, tool for change. And when, when you look at the, we'll shift gears a little bit, we're talking about the the homeland, I guess, where you were born uh, in Mexico and the corruption there and the problems there. What about now being here in uh, North America, in the United States? Well, Mexico is part of North America. In the United <laughs> States um, and, and seeing, witnessing the, the present uh, uh, executive branch, you know, the Trump administration, uh, does that concern you? Oh, absolutely. You know, as, as artists, um, um, I think it affects us directly. And, and we are all concerned, not only as, 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 as artists, but uh, as Mexican citizens. And right now we are all uh, really outraged and uh, um, in awe. You know, we're like, uh, we, we don't have words to describe how, how our reality has changed in a matter of months. Um and I want to share a, a short story that happened to us uh, not so long ago. We have, in 12 years that I've been living in New York City, I've never uh, felt discriminated or um, uh, under no circumstances. Really, we've been really blessed. But um, after President uh, Trump took office, uh, I, as a Mexican citizen, I have felt uh, changes. You know, and 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 you can say that they're um, not evident for everybody but i do feel them you know i feel them we were touring upstate new york city and uh we stopped by a gas station this is just a short, a short story to 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 kind of uh, tell you about more um what happened there but uh we were just walking into a, a gas stop really a gas station and uh so people were actually saying uh, talking about the wall and how they're uh, trump is going to build a wall and mexico is going to pay for it and then <clears throat> They suddenly turned their backs and they said, okay, well, these guys look Mexican. Uh, I was talking to my manager, Juan Canagi, and uh, they turned, they saw us, and they, they suddenly stopped talking. And we just went ahead and ordered our coffee and got out 
and I ask Juan, like, hey, Juan, do you feel that? Do you, do you feel that? How they, and suddenly we were both agreeing and saying like, yeah, that was really weird. I, I never felt that, you know, how suddenly you become, you know, um, like an observer of a situation that you don't really want to be part of. Yeah, you're sucked into this role as the other. Exactly. So alienated, if you will. Yeah. So I think it, it is it is alarming, you know, the 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 unprecedented level of 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 uh, of negligence and ignorance of, of of a man in charge of 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 this country. I think it should be it should be a sign for everybody to to wake up and to really start acting um, through any any means possible. Really, not only art, but uh, we are, we have all. Um, or fields of expertise where we can uh, really do, uh, create change to whatever it is that we do. And you know, you're you're one who does not believe, I gather, in division so much. You believe in brotherhood. You believe in humanity uh, through all of its and with all of its differences, embraced, working together, living together. Oh, absolutely! I think that's uh, the core of our message. You know, in every in every uh, presentation, every concert, every workshop that we do, uh, we do a lot of outreach activities, not only with uh, with immigrants, with communities, but also with schools. With uh, uh, I remember we went to Vermont. We we talked to uh, uh, we do a what is it, like the third year that we go to a, a farmers market out there. It's called the field uh, feast and field market in Barnard. And it's a wonderful community of uh, farmers, of organic farmers. And uh, so places like this uh, that are doing their part in impacting the community in a, in a good way, I think we're always going to be uh, delighted to, to collaborate with. And, and, and as you said, the message that we want to convey is that of brotherhood, is that it's possible to create um, 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 a change through art and positive uh, energy through music and to really uh, uh, create change through through the activities that we do. Ladies and gentlemen, we're talking with Alberto Villalopos and he is an artist and activist. Presently, he has an installment at the South Bronx Gallery, The Point, and uh, it commemorates the 43 disappeared students from... Mexico, rural community just outside of Mexico City. He's also uh, in a great musical ensemble with his brothers, very accomplished violinist in his own right. Alberto, it's wonderful having you on Troubadours and Rock On Tours. Uh, do you have any contact information you'd like to share with folks so they can learn more about what you're doing? Oh, absolutely, Lawrence. Uh, my personal page as visual artist is albertovillalobos.com. Uh, and uh, the page that we have with my brothers is villalobosbrothers.com. So um, you guys can find a lot of information there about what we do, about concert dates, about future um, touring dates with uh, Villalobos Brothers. And also um, I try to keep it updated for my visual arts project and uh, um, everything related to my visual art there. And the, your last name is spelled V-I-L-L-A-L-O-B-O-S. Correct. <laughs> Villa Lobos. It literally means uh, wolves is Lobos. Right. So village, village of the wolves. I love that. I knew. I, I, I noticed <laughs> that translation. Like one of my favorite bands is Los Lobos. Oh, yeah. that's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I learned it back then. 
Uh, we have just a, a minute or so. I'd like to give you an opportunity to make a closing, share a closing insight or thought for our listeners. Absolutely. Uh, um, stay, stay alert, guys. Uh, I think it's very important times that we're living right now. And we do have the power to change our reality. I would say uh, stay creative, stay, uh, stay loving, and believe in your family because for me it's been essential to, to work with my two brothers. Uh, for some people it's hard to believe, but it is possible to work with, you, with your brothers and make music. And, uh, and stay hopeful. Stay hopeful uh, because um, otherwise you know, it's, uh, it's impossible to, 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 to create a better, a better future, a better reality, a better world. So that that would be my message. Uh, find find us if you would like to ask or to get in touch or to to share our problems or, or not only your problems but your activities as an as an uh, individual as an activist or as a musician. We'll be delighted to meet you and uh, yeah, and I'm looking forward to meeting you all. Same here. Thank you, Alberto. And uh, hopefully we cross paths up in the South Bronx. I'd like to see your installment. But nonetheless, wonderful talking with you, sir. Keep up the good work. My compliments. Appreciate it, Lawrence. Have a great day. You too. Ciao. Bye now. Atmosfera azul, 
Do you have a drag? The old elevator operator asked. This was back when there were old elevator operators. I was in City Hall, and I was applying for a summer job. And the old man wanted to know if I had a connection. Someone on the inside who would pull my application from the pile and give me the job. You have to know someone, the old man said wisely. He knew. We all knew. Our depressed former coal town was notorious for its nepotism. Municipal jobs were handed out to brothers, sisters, cousins, friends, friends of friends, nephews, nieces, and neighbors, and the recipients clung to their jobs until they died, or until a new administration brought in its friends. Some of the jobs were no-shows. We heard tales of phantom employees of, say, the school district, who cashed payroll checks for years, but never encountered a student, a secretary, a janitor, or anyone else from the school district. As it happened, I did have a drag. My mother was a distant cousin of the mother of the man who was doling out the jobs as head of the Department of Public Works, our future mayor. Mayor McGinty was one of our city's most colorful and memorable public servants. My mother wasn't one to be pushy. In fact, she hated pushiness and often complained about pushy relatives and acquaintances. But in this case, she called upon my Aunt Teresa, who was close to the future mayor's mother, to put in a word. The word worked. 
I joined what could only be called a motley crew who roamed the neighborhoods to clean abandoned lots, dusty parks, run-down baseball fields, and other neglected areas around town. Drew, a louche fellow with shaggy bleached blonde hair and a daily hangover, was our group leader. He spent most of his time telling us of his exploits of the night before. Tequila sunrises, frisky girls, fights or near fights, and driving to other sites to hobnob with fellow, equally hungover, supervisors. Dave, who sported a blonde mullet, was our sophisticate. The son of a funeral director, he claimed to be well-traveled. He once related a story of a dirty French girl, in both senses of the word, and an unwitting, lusty traveler that smacked a little too much of a standard farmer's daughter's story. Eric, the oddball, was a disgruntled conspiracy theorist with a cool VW bug. Together, we successfully avoided work with short days, long lunches, and cleanups that dragged on much longer than they should have. Once, a little too enthusiastic in attacking overgrown shrubbery, I wandered off beyond our appointed lot and caught poison ivy. I was mildly reprimanded for my ambition and sent home for the day. I'll tell them you have it everywhere. My leader winked and then headed off to nap in his car. All of us were indebted to our future mayor for our cushy summer jobs. But he is not only a benign boss tweed divvying out employment to friends and family. He was also something of a Medici to our town. He spearheaded the use of the showmobile, a traveling stage that toured the neighborhoods with all kinds of shows. Big band concerts, dance recitals, musicals and plays, including Fiddler on the Roof and Turandot and the Three Riddles. Mayor McGinty was a showman himself, perhaps more so than a politician. As a politician, he was a Roosevelt Kennedy Democrat, a populist with his own New Deal. As a showman, he loved big gestures and big parties, and he was a big man, portly, with a red face and a shock of curly, orangish hair. This florid figure picked the red rose as his trademark, and he handed out thousands in his day. The old ladies flocked to him, as did my mother, who loved him as much as she loved Roosevelt and Kennedy. And he basked in the attention while making that personal connection that is gold for a politician. He bestowed hugs and kisses along with the roses. He was elected mayor, but only lasted one term, the showmanship apparently not translating well into day-to-day governance. His bold, optimistic plans, restoring a beautiful old train station and bringing a tourist attraction to town, came fully to fruition only after he left City Hall. He ran for office a few more times, and then he became a campaign consultant, a radio and TV talk show host, a commentator on local, state, and national politics, a fondly remembered character from our town's past. I knew him through my job as copyboy at a local paper, 
Reporters liked him as much as the old ladies because he liked them and because he always had a good story. He'd roll into the newsroom, chat everyone up, from young correspondent to grizzled managing editor, exit laughing with his entourage, and move on to other small stages in our city. When he died not too long ago, mourners waited for hours to pay their respects. There were roses everywhere. That's life. That's life. That's what all the people say. You're riding high in April, shot down in May. But I know I'm gonna change that tune. When I'm back on top, back on top in June, I said that's life. That's life. And as funny as it may seem, some people get their kicks. Stomping on a dream But I don't let it Let it get me down Cause this fine old world It keeps spinning around I've been a puppet A pauper A pirate A poet A pawn and a king I've been up and down And over and out And I know one thing Each time I find myself flat on my face, I pick myself up and get back in the race. That's life. That's life. I tell you, I can't deny it. I thought of quitting, baby, but my heart just ain't gonna buy it. And if I didn't think it was worth one single try I'd jump right on a big bird And then I'd fly I've been a puppet, a pauper, a pirate, a poet A pawn and a king I've been up and down and over and out And I know one thing Each time I find myself playing Flat on my face I just pick myself up And get back in the race That's life That's life And I can't deny it Many times I thought of cutting out But my heart won't buy it But if there's nothing shaking Come this here to lie I'm gonna roll myself up in a big ball and die. My, my. The Sin. And the beautiful rays of warm, orange, yellow, clear sunlight bask over and through us the rainbow colors of what is within. To not see and embrace this beauty 
is what you religious folk might, should, for sure call a mortal sin. And there you have it, episode 227 of Troubadours and Tours, with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. I'd like to thank those folks who made this episode possible. First and foremost, our new friend, the wonderful artist and activist, Alberto Villalobos. Thank you so much for the wonderful music, the beautiful masks, and the activism. It's so important. Also, I'd like to thank our resident essayist and associate producer, Dr. Michael Pavis, aka Uncle Cesare, for his wonderful work. And how about 
A round of applause for these musical artists. The Pretenders, the Villalobos Brothers, Lin-Manuel Miranda, Van Morrison, Brentford Marsalis, and Terence Blanchard too. Thank you so much for listening. Until next week, enjoy this week. <laughs>